Hey there, it's Bear Bear. Welcome to Bear Squared Podcast. Hey there, it's Bear Bear. Welcome to Bear Squared Podcast. Today we'll be talking about the British Edward Elgar. I'm sure many of you who are aware of the BBC proms or have graduated from high school or uni or from any institute will have heard of his pieces. Elgar is always quite at the center of study amongst the people who research music and has never left the British people as a whole. This piece, which I'm sure all of you have heard of, was even proposed to be the second national anthem of England. The piece we just heard is called Land of Hope and Glory. Sounds quite patriotic, doesn't it? This piece is part of a larger work called The Pomp and Circumstance Marches, and this trio comes from the first march. In Canada, the Philippines, and the United States, this piece is associated with graduation. Do you know why? This piece premiered in 1901, and on a trip to the United States in 1905 to receive an honorary doctorate of music title from the Yale University, Elgar's friend Sanford, the professor of music, ordered the New Haven Symphony Orchestra to play the trio in pomp and circumstance while the laureates and graduates marched along to it. Since then, it has become a tradition to march along to the land of hope and glory during a graduation ceremony. If you have ever watched the BBC proms on TV or in person, I'm pretty sure you would have heard of this piece being played on the last night of the proms. The whole pomp and circumstance march was first introduced as a normal orchestral piece, part of the program. However, as the piece became more famous and the trio section being repeatedly performed, the audience began to grow on the piece, and it became something like a second national anthem. In 2020, the BBC announced to not perform and stop the tradition of performing the land of hope and glory because of the Black Lives Matter movement. They thought that the piece will promote or glorify colonialism. However, the audience were outraged because it's just a piece that praises the country. Yes, with a history of colonialism and slavery, 
but has nothing to do with it. So they decided against it and still performed with a reduced orchestra due to social distancing measures. Think of when you listen to this. This piece is called Salut d'amour, or originally in German, Liebe Grüße, which means love's greeting. This was written as an engagement present from Elgar to his wife Caroline Alice. They later had a daughter called Caris. You can see how much Elgar loved his wife. This piece was written while on a trip to North Yorkshire, away from his home in London, which is maybe why this piece, or Elgar's music in general, is so suggestive precisely of longing, of aspiration, mingled perhaps with a sense of not quite being able to attain a goal, of hope more than confidence. This is one of Elgar's earlier works, which is filled with strong melodies evocative of the French Romantic traditions of St. Songs, and Elgar's other influence, the very romantic and lovesick Brahms. The Salut d'Amour is originally composed for violin and piano, but later further orchestrated into several versions for cello and piano, and a small orchestra, and later even had words to it. As many academics thought, Elgar chose a very good wife because she was literate, independent, and had a professional and social confidence that Elgar lacked. This allowed Elgar to step out of the deliberating zone as a local music professional and promote his music to the rest of Europe. He was musically conservative in comparison to his Russian, Viennese, and French contemporaries, and his music was mostly melancholic. The most melancholic and one of Elgar's greatest works, along with his violin concerto, will be the cello concerto, composed a year before his beloved wife's death. It seems like he knew that her death was near. 
The Cello Concerto was performed for the season opening of London Symphony Orchestra's 1919-1920 season. It was a disastrous premiere, which did not have any second performance for over a year, which was unusual for Algar's other large works, such as his first symphony, which received over 100 performances within the year of its premiere. This was Elgar's last substantial orchestral work. He did not compose any symphony or concertante after this. This was because he was devastated by the war. It was World War I during the time and was burdened by his wife and his own decline in health. The structure of the whole work and the first movement itself is very interesting. It was as if Elgar was obsessed with the idea of going back to the start. The best way to describe it will be an arch. The piece progresses and depresses the exact same way there and back. The first movement is in ternary form, with the theme played in the order A, B, C, B, A. Adagio, the third movement, is the center of the piece and shows the melancholic nature of the cello and Elgar's personal style. There is something Schumannesque about this romance piece, which is simple and austere, a dreadful nightmare for most cellists. This whole work, in fact, is a nightmare for cellists because it is so bare. The concerto opens with a recitative and not a tutti, where everyone is playing. The finale of the concerto is as long as the first two movements combined, and actually is the sum of what was previously played. Let us hear the finale.
finale begins just like the beginning of the piece, with the cello recitative. This is the most significant return of the piece, which seals its fundamentally melancholic nature. The piece ends with the reinstatement of the slow and languid third movement that just played, and ends abruptly with the very first theme of the piece, the recitative. Algar moves away from what was acceptable in the public ear as to what a concerto or a symphonic work is. This cello concerto is the newest style unique to Algar, and through this work, he composed what is the most moving pages of the cello literature. This is all for Algar today, and I have a big announcement. week to the podcast and for a special surprise to end the first season of a quarter of music and me i'll be sharing a little bit about myself for the next three weeks i will be sharing a topic about things to keep in mind when living alone in three languages firstly english the next in mandarin and last but not least in cantonese it will be very fun, I believe, for us because you can finally hear me speak another language. Anyways, please look forward to the next three weeks as we wrap up this season and take a small break and come back in May with season two containing ten episodes, a quarter of the piano. Thank you for being with me today. Bye!